0: Northside family, how y'all doing? Y'all doing good? That was kind of terrible. Can I? Yeah, I know it's been a rainy weekend, y'all. I get it. My name is Matt Reagan, a friend of Northside, lover by. I'm going to ask you one more time. Northside family, how y'all doing this morning? Y'all doing good? Good, good. All right, all right. I just we're going on a little journey. I just want to make sure you're with me. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, if you don't know this, uh, to, today is actually kind of a special weekend. Not only is it Fourth of July weekend. Uh, But it's also, you all have been doing this thing called Quest 52. You're doing it the whole year. Do you know what today is? Today is the halfway point of Quest 52. So you guys have been rolling through. And so I'm excited, honored to be here today. I just want to unpack a little bit of what God's been showing me. I want to show you. I want to share with you. It's wrapped around a question that as soon as I saw the question, if I'm being honest, it just feels lame. You ready for the lamest question you've ever seen in your life? You ready for it? You're going to see it and you're going to be like, I feel like a junior high kid all over again. That's what's going to happen. But that's what we're going to answer today, but we're going to to look at it and then we're going to ask some questions of it and it's going to all of a sudden turn into something that has weight. And the question that we're going to ask ourselves today is, can Jesus accept me? Can Jesus accept me? It's a lame question. As a matter of fact, if I ask most of you that question, you go, yeah, 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 and you're like, he accept, we got to accept everybody, it's just what we do. But here's the thing, what I believe is that society's kind of hijacked that word accept, so I've got to make sure that when we talk about the word accept that we have a biblical understanding of what the word accept means, or this is going to be a really lame sermon, and I don't think you want to hear a lame sermon. So here's what we're going to do. The word accept, biblically, it's all throughout Scripture. The biblical understanding of accept, is it kind of breaks down to the original word in Greek, and that word is proslambano. Just let that roll off your tongues. One, two, three. Proslambano, right? So here's what it is. I don't mean to be nerdy, but I don't want us to miss something beautiful and good. And that is, the word is made up of, you can kind of see two, points, two parts of that, pros, Pros meaning very simply this. Pros means to take towards yourself or to give or allow access. So pros, um, let me put it like this. I have a 13-year-old daughter and four boys. See, I didn't even mention their ages. You can tell who the favorite is. And so with this little girl, when when you hear the word pros, I want you to think proximity. How does a father who adores his daughter, what kind of proximity does he want with her? I want her close, man. Like I want to hold that girl. She's 13. She doesn't want to sit on my lap. I don't care. I still want it. You know what I'm saying? Like I want her close. I just I just I want to hug her. I love her. She's she's she I I want that girl close. That's what pros means. Lambano. Lambano means this. It means to hold for yourself as your own. So one is about proximity, pros. One is about value. So if I value something, she fits in the same category, right? I want her close because, because I, just, I, I can't keep her away. I just want her close. But at the same time, I value her as my own. I accept her. I receive her. And so here's the problem. Uh, accept isn't a great, pro sambano doesn't have a great English translation. And so we're, we're stuck with a little bit of, we've kind of neutered it a little bit. And so accept is close, but when we talk about acceptance, I just want to say it like this, you can accept the terms of a defeat, right? Well, that's lame. Like you can accept something that means that, 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 that the reality is here, but it doesn't mean I have to value it. I wouldn't say it's something that's mine. And receive is kind of the opposite of that. I can receive a package from Amazon, right? And I can value it, but that doesn't mean I'm close with Amazon, there's no value statement in that, and so I just, wanna, I just wanna kind of help us, before we dig in, understand what we're asking. What we're asking is, Jesus, I have a question for you. Do you want me close? Like when you look at me, do you really want me close? And not only do you want me close, but do you, do you, when, you, when you look at me, do you, do you light up? Do you value me? Like when I walk in the room, do you go, oh, that one's mine, that one's mine. Do you, Jesus, accept me? So I think, you know, so, so kind of for today, I just, I want to make sure I'm going to overdo this, all right? Accept means, if accept means to bring someone into your life and see them as valuable, to give them access, to hold them. Um, it's kind of then the opposite is what? The, ob- the opposite of the, to accept is to, to reject, and we know that we know what that's like, right? When we reject someone, let's make sure it's someone because Jesus always is talking about people. But when we reject somebody, it's someone that we want to keep at an arm's distance because through our words or our deeds or our actions, why? Because they're not worth our time. They have no value to us. As a matter of fact, they're super annoying. And we don't really wanna spend time in their presence. And so I just wanna make sure as we dive in and we, and we start asking the question, I wanna make sure that we're in a place where we're saying, okay, the question isn't, does Jesus accept me? Like, and is he okay with me in the room? Is he okay with me here? Is he okay with that I've kind of changed my life and that I'm, that I'm around? That's not the question today. The question is, how do you think Jesus sees you? So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna dive into scripture. And uh, we're in Mark chapter four, and we're gonna lead into chapter five. If you have your Bibles, Bible apps, whatever works for you, I'll put it on the screen as well. But here's how it starts, and I think this is one of the clearest pictures of the way Jesus accepts and sees people. I think, yeah, I think it's the best one I could find. And so here's what we got. It's Mark chapter four, verse 35. It says, That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now, I, go to, I get to go to Israel a lot. It's, 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 one of my, it's one of my favorite things to do. And so most of the time, I need you to know, when I used to read this passage, what I always read was, oh, the other side. I'm on one side, and I'm going to the other side. There's better restaurants there. I don't know. Like, I, the other side means, I gotta say it like this, other side means nothing to me. But Jesus is saying something that to us seems like a direction, but to everybody that was around at that time, it had, it had very little to do with direction. It is we are going to a place that we don't usually go, and all of their antennas go up immediately. So when he says, go over the other side, let me give you, can I give you a little history on what exactly that meant? So he's talking about uh, two sides of the Sea of Galilee. So the Sea of Galilee, you've probably seen a map, there's an east side and there's a west side. And what you need to know is there was a guy named Herod. I think you remember Herod. Herod was the guy when Jesus was born that tried to murder him. Remember that guy? Not a great guy. And so he was the guy that as soon as he, he had a palace and as soon as this little baby or savior was born in Bethlehem, he said, uh, you know, the wise men come through, you remember the story, and they wanna kill him. And so uh, the Herod says, um, we're gonna kill him, goes after him. So Jesus has to go away into Egypt and he grows up. And then when it's time, when it's safe, the Lord sends an angel to Jesus' dad, Joseph, and says, hey, you need to know, it's all clear you can go back. Why? Because Herod The great is what they called him. Herod is dead. He's died. He's gone. You don't have anything to worry about anymore. The guy that was trying to kill you is out of the scene. And so when Herod dies, they break up his territory between his three sons. He actually had a fourth one, but he thought the fourth one was too handsome and he might be the leader one day. So guess what he did? He killed him. Great guy. So three sons And the three sons, uh, the one of them, his territory won't matter to you, but two of them we're going to talk about today. The first son is a guy named Herod Antipas. Herod Antipas, I'm going to show you kind of a map, took care of this side of the Sea of Galilee. So on this side of the Sea of Galilee, what you need to know is Chorazin, Capernaum. Capernaum is where Jesus lived. Tiberius is where John the Baptist was in, imprisoned. This region, literally at the bottom of that sea on Capernaum, is about where Nazareth is. 80% of the miracles done by Jesus all happened in that section. Did you know that? Not very big. 80% of the miracles, um, almost all of the disciples came from this region. There was only one who didn't. Anybody want to guess who it is? Judas. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, 80% of the miracles. And so what you need to know about this side, the east side of of the Sea of Galilee is, this was the good Jewish side. So this was a side that um, they all went to synagogue. They all obeyed kosher rules. Like literally, in this section, Herod Antipas said, I know that my dad was kind of religious. I wanna stay religious. And so he just said, there's not gonna be any pigs here because pigs would be a violation of kosher law. We're all gonna go to synagogue. You can, like literally, the rules of the government were set up on on biblical concepts. And over on this side, everybody dressed the same. They talked the same. They act the same. Everybody kind of had the same the same expressions, there was one God, his name was Yahweh, that was this side. And Jesus said, we need to go to the other side. So the other side was ruled by a guy named Philip the Tetrarch. Remember their brothers, Herod Antipas, Philip the Tetrarch. Philip didn't love his dad. As a matter of fact, he hated his dad. And when he finally got his allotment, he said, forget all of the Jewish rules, forget all the Jewish customs. That is not how I'm going to roll. There's a government called Rome that's in charge, and I'm going to adopt everything that's Roman, everything that would fly in the face of my father, and that's how we're going to run my side of the, my side. And so over on this side, you had pagan gods. You had, he literally just kind of set out a thing and said, hey, anybody want to be a pig farmer? I got a great spot for you. As a matter of fact, we're gonna, we're gonna, he set up altars to, to Zeus. Um, if you've heard of the Grotto of Pan, he set up this place called Hades that, that Jesus is gonna go to the gates of Hades later. This guy made sure that everything on his side was gonna be opposite of everything on this side. So over here, their mouths don't run the same. Their dynamics don't, aren't the same. Their rules, guess what? They barely have any rules. This side is a kind of place that this side They don't hang out. So Jesus says, let us go to the other side. So I just need to give you a setup and let me put it into your terms real fast, okay? So, so you're going, okay, Matt, what does that have to do with the acceptance? Because some of you in the room, when we start talking about acceptance, some of you, your acceptance goes deeper than it's kind of like these external factors that you had no control over. Some of you all were you were raised. You're raised in a great church with a great home, and your your parents were honorable, and you're kind of trying to do the honorable thing, and this is all great. And it's and you're just trying to figure it out and you're trying to do the best you can. But then there's people like me on this side. Anybody kind of raised in crazy town anybody we're like uh, my family reunions y'all they're crazy and over on this side on this side there was no Sunday morning there was no dressed in your best there was no guarding your words there was no watching your anger there was this side voted different looked different talked different did everything different you know who I'm talking about It's just different. Jesus says, I wanna go there. So then he gets there, Mark 5, 1 says, they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. That's on the west side. When Jesus got out of the boat, right off the bat, a man with an impure spirit, some translations say with a demoniac, maybe you've heard that term before, somebody who, literally, if this side had a baby, all right, Like if this side and and its lack of rules and all its darkness and its godlessness, if godlessness had a baby, it's this guy. And everything that you can imagine about darkness is packed into this one person that Jesus is about to run into. And this guy, Jesus doesn't even get off the boat and he's face to face with the, literally, with you could not paint a better picture of a baby from this side that's grown up than this guy. What's he look like? Mark chapter 5, verse 3 says, Well, let me just describe this guy in some detail. And I'll try to do it in a way that's helpful for you, but it just says this man lived in the tombs. To which some of you would say, I, "I okay, I do we even have tombs? Like I don't even know what that looks like. Literally, you can go over there today. I've been there. There's there's this there's one spot where there's all these tombs. There's a cliff that goes into the water. We'll talk about that later. But in this spot, it just they just wanted us to know that if darkness had a baby, that baby as it grew up started just they they couldn't they couldn't help but live in whom, in tombs. As a matter of fact, Luke says they hadn't lived in a house for a really long time. What?" let me put it like this, let me put it in your terms, okay? What they want us to know is that this person, the keys of their life, like every time they got in to be auto, like there was an autopilot function for this person that always found themselves trying to arrive at a destination, trying to find life in a place where you're never gonna find life. Like he was trying, like literally, Nobody just goes up to the tombs for no reason. He went there because there was something he thought he could find. But here's what happens is this kind of person is the kind of person, and maybe you know somebody like that, this. Maybe this this person is the kind of person that no matter what they do in their life, they always arrive trying to find life in a place that's really dead. They keep showing up to a relationship that you know they have no business being in a relationship, where well, there's no way that relationship's gonna give you life, but you keep, you're, literally, your life keeps arriving with people that do nothing but take from you. You keep landing in places. Like, it's, it's a job, it's a situation, it is, it is where you go at night after midnight. I mean, it's a party scene, it's a group of people. I'm not, I, I, name the thing. It's a website, it's a dating app. Literally, it's like, it's like, they can't help but take the keys and put them into their life. And for whatever reason, there's this magnetic pull to dead places that will never, ever really give them life. But that's just, that's just, that's how it works for them. So it goes on and it says, Mark 5, 3, the second half, it says, So he lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. So kind of put like this, there were, there's there were, I mean, Yes, his life kind of autopiloted to a bunch of places. He found himself you know, in dead-end relationships and was, you know, but here's the thing. There were, there, were, there, were, there were good people in his life. There were good opportunities in his life, but the problem is he was such an escape artist. Like there wasn't a relationship that he didn't run from. There wasn't, a, there wasn't anything good in his life that even when it was good, it was, it was like it, he just felt tied down and he wasn't sure why he was there and he just... He was always trying to escape. This guy hadn't had the same friend for more than six months. This guy had never really had, even when somebody was playing a good in their life, he just, he just always felt like he needed to get out of it. He's on the fourth marriage. He's on the fifth marriage. And I'm just telling you, no matter what it was, it was good. It was, he just always felt like he needed to get away. Mark 5, 5 says this, says, Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out. He just says it like this. He says, um, I don't know if you know anybody like this, but it's just like if, if there were silence for a second, there'd be just so many voices in their head. I mean, so many voices tell them who they're not and what they should have done, voices of regret, voices of shame, like they, they just they just have this constant anxiety. It's like all of these voices: you woulda, you coulda, you shoulda. Why don't you? Why can't you? Why have you never been enough? It's like all of the voices from the past. They just keep funneling through, and you just you just can't turn them off. And so you know somebody that that this is true of because they can't stay off of this. Like early morning, as soon as they get up, they don't want to stop with the voices that are in their head and the things that are being spoken to them. And so they scroll. At night, That's the light of the screen puts them to sleep at night because they can't stop for a second because the voices keep coming about the mother that they should have been and the dad that they should have been and the son that they should have been and where they should have gone and what the fear of tomorrow. It's just like these voices. They can't stop the voices. And then it says... This one's crazy. Mark 5, second part of this, and he cut himself with stones. I mean, it just seems, it just kind of seems ridiculous. These are literally stones from that place. I literally picked some up. And he just would take stones and for whatever reason, he would just, he had this pattern of self-destruction. It just seems like you, you would think somebody would know when they're hurting themselves, right? Like if you, if you knew you were hurting yourself, if you knew that, wouldn't you stop? But it's the weirdest thing that sometimes you end up doing these things that even though it hurts, you just keep doing them because for some really bizarre reason, the, the very thing that you know you shouldn't do is the only way you feel like you can ever really feel. So it's the person, it's the, it's the mom that's... that's three, four drinks of wine every single night. And, and, the, and, and the reality is she knows it's starting to rob something from her. She knows that, that it's like become her safe place. It's the only place where she can feel. It's the only place where she can really feel alive. And it's, but, but she, hear me, she knows it's taking something from her. It's the guy that keeps showing up at the bar and he keeps showing up and it's that group of guys and he always knows. And he knows, like in his heart, he knows this is not a good decision for me. I know what this is taking. I know this is robbing my marriage. I know this is robbing me from being the husband I'm supposed to be. I know it's stealing from me. But tonight I just want to feel, man. It's the addict. Name, name the person. He says, "Hey, this, this guy, pattern of self-destruction. Luke 8:27 says this. It's the parallel. Uh, kind of story in Luke that tells the same story in 827 it says for a long time this man had not worn clothes and so now we find that this guy is just running around naked which seems kind of bizarre but I just want to put it like this every like again if darkness could burr the sun if darkness one of the darkness marks that I see in people is there always becomes this hyper focus on the exterior have you ever noticed that it's like as soon as darkness comes in, either, either, all the stuff hops on them, and it's like darkness comes, and they feel insecure, so they've got to have the right house, they've got to have the right car, and the right shoes, and the right stuff, and they've got to work out, and they've got to be fit so that people really see them, and they've got to spray tan, and we're doing all this stuff, and you're going, bro, slow down. And then over here, you see in the same way, and the, sometimes the clothes start popping off. And sometimes they just want to be seen. They want so or maybe they just stop being ashamed for things that they used to be ashamed of. But they're flaunting what's going on in their life, the exterior of their life that that, that would that would used to it would have shamed them. Now they flaunt it like it's their greatest gift. And Jesus grabs a guy, stereotypical, son of darkness, from the wrong place voted the wrong way, talks the wrong way, everything wrong. And this guy finds himself face-to-face with Jesus. What will Jesus do? Mark 5, 6 says this, says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he had an option here. You need to know this. He could have went back up to his cave but I don't know if he'd heard about Jesus. I don't, I I, I really, I don't know what's going on with this guy, I I can't wait to ask him one day. But I'm just telling you, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and he fell on his knees in front of him. What happens? Family, what happens when you have all this dark stuff in your life, and it's like all this stuff that just keeps, literally, if we're being honest, it's all the stuff that keeps us distant from Jesus. Like, we, 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 we can knock this demoniac guy and we can say, oh, to dude, it's crazy, but if we're being honest for a second, don't you see how some of that is us? And it's all the stuff that really keeps us from every really being close to him or every really feeling like that's what I was made for and that's who I am and that's what you've done in me. And yet this distance, we, we all feel it. It's kind of like this. When, he starts, when Jesus starts dealing with him, he says, what's your name? He's talking to the darkness inside of him. And the darkness... For this guy, he says, my name is Legion. All you need to know is that's like thousands of things. For some of you in the room, if I ask you today, why do you feel distant from God right now? Could you pick one thing? Maybe you could. Maybe like me, maybe you have some abuse in your past, and maybe the cops were in out of the home, or... Maybe you had this thing done to you. Maybe you have one thing. But I guarantee you, even those of us that have one thing, maybe that's the main thing. But if I'm being honest, I've got a million reasons that sometimes I keep myself at a distance from Jesus. That was this guy. As a matter of fact, the text talks about it out of Luke. It says, this guy's life was the kind of life, not only were there like thousands of things that were keeping him, arms length from Jesus, always kind of checking out, always sitting down, but never really experiencing, really experiencing freedom in Jesus. Thousands of things. It also says that people at some point started going around him. Did did you ever know this? The whole region knew about this guy and they knew wherever he is, literally said he was clogging up the trade paths because wherever he was, there was destruction. Wherever there was, there were people hurt. There was just this long history of because of what this guy carries of the amount of people that had been hurt by him. This guy's got bodies everywhere. Relationships that he's broken, people that he's offended Good people, not all of them, but he's hurt him. What's Jesus going to do? What we see is he comes to Jesus, he falls on his knees. And, and, and all I need to know, tell you, and I, and I don't even know how Jesus does this. He just does this. Did it with me. It's like, it just literally, he just came face to face with Jesus and he found himself on his knees and maybe he thought it was gonna take a long time and maybe he thought, you know, what am I gonna have to do to kind of make up for this and what am I, but what happened in the story is this guy with all his stuff just comes to the feet of Jesus and Jesus not only allows him close, But he speaks value into his life. He literally takes the darkness that was inside of him. There's like thousands of things. And he's like, yeah, you don't belong there. And he casts them out. Those dark things go over. I don't know if you've heard this To this herd of pigs. And this herd of pigs, they're up in this field. I can show you the field one day if you want to go. And up on that field, the pigs, we get to see what those dark things that are stuck in our lives, what they really want to do to us. And in those pigs, they run off the cliff. It's a really short life. And they just fall into the ocean and they die. Barbecue time. And Jesus, like this, says, all you got to do is get to me. All you got to do is get to me. I will take care of everything else. Mark 5.15, all these people come out and they're like, who killed the pigs? What's going on? Crazy. And they're coming down, and they're expecting, was it demoniac? Did he kill people? Like, what's it, what is going on right now, man? And they get down there, and they're trying to figure out what happens. In Mark five fifteen, it says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man. Like, they saw the man. They knew the man. Everybody knew the guy. And he had been possessed by the legion of demons, but he, there he was. He was sitting there Dressed. And in his right mind, they'd never seen this. So, here's what I want to ask. I don't know who you are. I don't know what is going on inside of you. I can, I can tell you this. I know, I know the times in my life where I've had had to have a real honest conversation with Jesus and where I have to say, hey Jesus, am I just showing up? Am I like kind of, like I get it, Like I get it. I'm not one of the ones that grew up in perfect candy, you know, candy land, Region where you just got to dust a couple things off, and I'm going to be this—I'm going to be so great, and you're really going to love me. No, I'm the kind from the wrong place at the wrong time, with the wrong addictions and the wrong thoughts, and all the complications of family, and it's going to be so messy. Are you sure you want to mess with this man? And when I came, and I found myself on my knees, and I—and I keep finding myself on my knees. Saying, Jesus, tell me how you feel about this guy. Because if I'm being honest, man, I need to know. Like, I know who I can still be last night. I know the thoughts I can have. But I need to know, like, do you keep me? Like, how close do you really want me? And what do you see when you see me? And I'm just telling you. It's not just in this pages, it's in my life. I'm telling you, he keeps saying, son, I wish you knew how close I want you. And I wish you knew how much I love you. like You're mine. So maybe here's some encouragement that I would like to give to probably two different types of people in the room, right? One group of people, I just want to say this. Um, I don't. I don't even know which side you grew up on, because guess what? Sometimes you can grow up under the right rules and the right stuff and the right things, and you can still feel distant from God because it just feels like we're all going through the motions, and I don't know what we're doing, man. And it's not like guess what? The first demoniac Jesus ran to. Guess which side of the lake it was on. This one. Guess where the person was. Anybody remember? They were in church. It's not like that over there is the only place where darkness is. Some of you, you grew up and there's not really a reason that you have all the darkness in your heart and the distance that you feel and the lack of value in the kingdom that you have. If we're being honest, there's not really a reason for it, but that doesn't mean it's not there. And then some of you, Because of your background and your past and what's happened and how complicated and how long it's taken you to change, you really feel in your soul, you feel like a second-class Christian and you can come in the doors and you can kind of pick up the fringes of what he has, but you're not really sure that he ever has plans to really make you close, to really help you understand who you are and the power and the plans and the purpose that he wants to leverage your life for. And I just wanna say, like if you're in this room When your life is filled with any or all of these parts of darkness, and you have never found yourself on your knees in front of Jesus just saying, listen, man, I've tried to do this on my own. I need you. I don't know how you're going to do it. Literally, I can't fathom how you would ever change me. Here's what a guy and a whole bunch of other people in the room who have experienced his grace and his compassion and his power would say. He doesn't just want to accept you. He wants to adopt you. He wants to call you by name. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to free you in ways you never dreamed. Some of you need to hear that today. But I'm going to be honest, there's another group of people in this room that, that, that you've experienced what I've experienced. And I have experienced more than I deserve, family. But all of a sudden you've experienced his love and his grace and his kindness and the way that he keeps dealing with and over, helping you overcome those things from your past and the dark things that are in your heart. And somehow you have now set yourself up in this little place where, where now, okay, now I got my group and I got my people and I protect my kids and I do my stuff and I've got all this kind of stuff. And you forget what it's like to be on the other side. Like you forget that your neighbor is locked up, rolling around with, like, just trying to find life in dead places and, and, and literally walking through passive self-destruction, feeling anxiety, feeling anxious, not ever really, hyper, hyper, anybody see people around you hyper-focusing on the outside, hoping that somebody will finally see value in them? Some of us, family, need to remember what it's like on the other side because somebody, family, has to go to the other side. And I get it, man, they don't talk like you, they don't raise their kids like you, they don't vote like you, they don't carry your values. But if you're not gonna go, who's going? Jesus went to the other side. So here's my challenge today. Uh, we're gonna have to take communion together and literally as we take communion, I can't think of a more perfect picture of a Jesus who can't stand it when we're at a distance and wants to bring us close. That's why he broke it, like literally, the bread symbolizes his body broken for us. So that in the breaking of his body that we would no longer have to be at a distance, that literally because of his life and death, we would now have the Holy Spirit inside of us. No, long, no more distance. And the cup that we take, it's literally, he is pouring out his blood so that we know that, that literally the blood that was in his veins, he is the image of the invisible God, perfection in its, in its most beautiful form, come down to earth. And he thought, yes, and your life is so valuable that I'll give up mine for yours. So, we're going to take communion together. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I would just encourage you, this would be a great time for you to either on your knees in your chair or symbolically put your hands out and just say, look, Jesus, I feel the darkness. If I'm being honest, I've never really accepted you, and I've never felt your acceptance for me. Talk to him. Watch him meet you where you are. But the rest of you, family, he's been so good. Like he, he has brought you close, more value than you'll ever understand. And so maybe you receive that for a second, but maybe you even ask him. So, so then Jesus, even as I'm receiving this, would you, would you give me a picture of what it looks like to take this to people on the other side? Like, man, I, I haven't been doing that for a long time. I want to. I'm just gonna pray for you and let's take communion together. Father, I pray over my friends. Oh, Lord Jesus, just thank you that you so love the world. Lord, that you gave your one and only Son, that whoever, whoever believes in him would have eternal life, that there would be no distance, that there would never be this gap between us and you, but literally you would come to us, live in us. And then we begin to see our purpose and we'd start to feel our strength and start to understand the value that we have in your kingdom. Thank you. No one like you. We celebrate you. We remember you. For those that need to talk to you, God, we just, I ask even in their weak prayers, because they they're not even sure what to say. Like this guy, they're not even sure what to say. They just know there's a lot of stuff broke. But Father, would you listen to them today? Would you hear their words? And would you be the powerful king and friend that I know? Pray that in the name of Jesus, amen. So here's what I wanna do. Um, are you gonna be mad at me if I give you just like one more thing? Can not give you one more thing? This is super cool, it's a little nerdy, but I think you're gonna love it, okay? So it's right before Kona Ice, it's gonna be perfect. So, um, can I just, I couldn't squeeze it in, but I just, I, I'm just being honest, I have to. So Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. Can I just paint this? He says, let's go to the other side. And they're like, okay. It seems a little crazy, but we'll go. They get in their boat and there's actually lots of boats in the middle of the lake. I don't know if you remember this, but they experienced a storm. Remember that? Everybody freaks out. A matter of fact, most of the boats go back. There's only one boat. It's the one that Jesus is on. He calls him when the waves. It's the only boat that makes it to the other shore. They land on the shore and literally, brother steps out of the boat and a naked guy comes running. And you're like, every disciple's gotta be going, This is exactly what I thought the other side was gonna be like, right? Like, this is why we don't do this, Jesus. And he runs down and he's on his knees and all of a sudden Jesus is dealing with demons and he's casting them into pigs and pigs are dying and 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 the people come out. And what was their response to Jesus? Do you remember this? They're like, you need to leave now. Why? I don't know. Maybe it's because they were the pig farmers and they're like, I can't believe you just killed, murdered my pigs. Or maybe, maybe they had a darkness in their life that they weren't ready to deal with and and Jesus kind of freaked them out. Sometimes Jesus freaks people out. But all I know is they got over, after all of that and all of here, one guy's life changes, they get back in the boat and they leave. Anybody feel like what a waste of time. One dude's life changed. But here's what happens. This guy, who's now free, says, Jesus, i got to come with you. Jesus like, nah, you're going to go back to the Decapolis, and you're going to tell them what I've done. And you're going to fast forward, and there's going to be a lot of stuff. And I know in the history of Jesus, everything kind of gets cloudy, and there's always like thousands of people around. But he's going to come back months later. It's the only time he's ever going to be in this region ever again. And guess what? He's going to find 4,000 people on a hillside ready to listen. Anybody want to guess where those 4,000 people came from? Well, there's only one dude that could have told him. Fast forward, 70 AD. Rome comes in, they're tired of the Jews, and they literally, from the top of Jerusalem all the way to the bottom, they kick out every single Jewish, this side believer. Anybody that looked like this, dressed like this, they were all gone. Every Jewish wear it, got it, That's who we are, they're out of the country now. There is now one community left in the entire region that is gonna be the center place for the gospel for the next 350 years. There are gonna be several church fathers come from here. One of the very, very first bishops is gonna be here. Guess where that church is? It's at the base of the cliffs in the shadow of the community where just one guy's life was changed. Never underestimate the power of one changed life. Some of you are that generational changer. That's who you are. Some of you need to change someone else's generation. And I get it. Like when I hang out with those people, those people, I have a friend Brother says 30 cuss words in a sentence. I'm like, how is that possible, bro? <laughs> like, at least breathe, right? Like effing this. I'm like, bro, I need, I need you to hear this. Going to the other side is not easy. I have a seven-year-old boy that's gonna be exposed to like that language and just what's like their ideals and their thoughts, but, but hear me. I will not raise my sons and daughters To be so comfortable in what has been that they never understand and see the beauty and the power of stepping into the other side. There's nothing like it. Will they have some different challenges? Maybe we'll figure it out. Jesus will figure it out. But we were called to the other side. Stand up on your feet let me pray over you. And we're gonna go eat some free Kona ice. I'm praying for a short line right now. (laughs) father you're good we love you thank you for the gift of your son jesus nothing like him father thank you that you pull us close thank you that you value us and love us what a gift we pray that in the strong name of jesus everyone said amen Amen. great to see y'all